Hi there. Welcome to Fullness and Flourishing, a podcast that aims to give you space to grow into who you can be and to celebrate who you already are. I'm your host, Jess Woods. Hi and welcome back. It's good to be with you again. This is our part three of the grief conversation. Uh, My hope here is that we can focus mostly on what it looks like to show up for others when they are grieving. The first episode in this series and the second episode were really, you know, kind of a mixture of what it's like for you to grieve, some frameworks around grieving, but I wanted to take a whole episode to really focus on showing up for other people because, well, to be honest, I've seen it done so poorly. Um... I know there are times I have failed folks in being there for them when they have a significant loss, Um, but more than anything, I think as a griever, as a person on the side of grief experiencing it, I have been immensely disappointed at times and even really hurt by some of the ways that people have handled it. And... um, Part of the reason why I went into mental health and becoming a therapist as a profession is because I wanted to do that better. I wanted to hold space for people to grieve um, in a better way that didn't require them to sanitize their experience. And I wanted to empower them to ask for what they needed from other people and to be better in the way they show up for people in their lives. So in a way, I'm trying to start a bit of a, a better grief support movement than what I have experienced myself. So as we start this part of the conversation, I really want to just acknowledge um, the reality that being there for people when they are grieving is uncomfortable. At no point in time do I want you to think that I'm saying this is no big deal, it doesn't cost you anything, um, because I'm not saying that. It truly... It's a burden, but I think in the most appropriate way that a shared human experience should be. It's not that you need to take on someone's burden, but possibly help them hold it briefly until they can regain their strength to continue on. So just a few things I want to touch on today, Um, some resources to use, some language to consider using, but just starting with that baseline that I know it's uncomfortable, I know it's hard. I know we often don't know what to say because we too have had the experience of the not helpful comments and we just want to avoid those, but let's push ourselves to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more present when other people are grieving. I want to introduce um, a list of kind of questions and approaches as well as uh, what's considered the safe listener promise. Um, And I think those might be a good launching point for us. So if we're starting from a place of acknowledging that this is hard, um, let's also remind ourselves what we discussed in the last episode, which was this dual process model that folks who are grieving are going through this dynamic oscillation between grief, loss-oriented activities, thoughts, emotions, and restoration-oriented thoughts, emotions, and activities and we really can't control nor should we try to move people from one space to another but it may be helpful for you to keep those two in mind because when you approach someone who's grieving 
if you can figure out rather quickly where they're coming from, it may help you meet them there better. So um, let's jump in and I'll give some examples of where knowing if they're in the loss-oriented or restoration-oriented mindset might be helpful. I mentioned uh, a frame of questions to think about. Um, These questions come from the Trauma Healing Institute uh, that is born out of a really a partnership between uh, mental health professionals and then actually um, uh, biblical writers and Bible study writers. It's a Christian organization, but I really do find because there are mental health professionals involved that it can be very transferable to a lot of different conversations even if you don't agree you know spiritually with some of those beliefs or if the person that you're trying to support doesn't either the first question that they encourage that we ask when someone is in crisis or has just experienced a loss is um, what happened and that's just a way to invite the person to share as much or as little of the story as they would like to you know a response to that might sound like You know, I'm not really sure. One day I was talking to my dad on the phone and everything was fine. And then today I got this phone call um, and he's gone, you know, or um, maybe it's something along the lines of I've been struggling for a while at work and wasn't seeing eye to eye with my boss. Um, And then there was this whole kind of uncomfortable phase. And then out of the blue, they laid me off. And I know that it's motivated by this or that or the other thing. And And so you get to hear kind of their full explanation of what has occurred. Sometimes responses to that just sound like, I don't know, the relationship is over and I'm not sure how we got there. And all of those responses, I would say, are helpful because they give you a sense of what is the person believing about that loss in the moment? What facts do they have and how are they interpreting the facts? It is not your job in that moment to verify or clarify for your understanding's sake. So even if they said things that feel a little out of order, or if they said things that feel like they're possibly not 100% true, or um, you just have concerns about their perspective, now is not the moment to dive into that. Just be in this space with them and allow them to describe what has happened. So the question is, what happened? Um, The next question that you can ask is, what is the hardest part for you? And that question is very intentionally worded because we don't want to assume things when people are grieving. I mentioned that part of my motivation for having this conversation in the first place is having experienced a lot of unhelpful comments. Um, And many of those were made from a, a place of assumption. So for example, when my first marriage ended, when my mom passed away, um, you know, just other things that have happened that have been difficult, people have assumed that they knew how I felt about that and that they would assume that they knew even what was hardest for me about it. And that usually left either a rift in the relationship or some kind of awkward exchange where I had to clarify, no, actually, that's not what I'm thinking. That's not how I feel. So just simply saying, you know, what's the hardest part for you 
uh, can also give you a lot of information about what they might need. An example of this might be, um, you know, uh, there's a story of a, a pastor who goes to a hospital to support a woman who has just lost her family in a car accident. Her husband and her child have died in a car accident. She survived, sustained some injuries, but is being discharged from the hospital in the wake of this grief. And her pastor or priest comes to the hospital to visit and he uses this question and says, what is the hardest part for you? And she surprises him a bit by saying, I haven't stayed in our house alone in many years. And the hardest part for me is going home to an empty house tonight. And now that gives that helper, that supporter, a lot of context and understanding for where she's at. She is not in funeral planning mode. She is not in asking questions about how did we get here mode. She is not even in, I don't know, the pin for the bank account mode. (laughs) She's so much in the loss-oriented mode of just like, I have to go home alone tonight. So then that person knows how to support her better, right? Is there someone you can stay with tonight? Is there someone you would feel safe calling and asking them to stay with you? Do you want me to make that phone call to your sister, cousin, friend, neighbor, um, so that you're not alone tonight? You know, we meet that, try and meet that need. Uh, Another example that I don't think I will ever forget and just, um, I guess, trigger warning for those of you who may find this difficult. It's a a mention of someone ending their life um, in this story, but uh, I was working with a client for a while who was really struggling with their depression and at times had struggled with their own levels of hopelessness about the future. And they were in treatment and had attended consistently, you know, for several days in this short-term program. And then suddenly one day they just weren't present. And of course, your mind goes to kind of worst case scenario, but a little bit later in the morning, I got a voicemail just saying, Hey, I had a difficult night. I'm not able to come in today, but I'll be in tomorrow. So as the clinician, I'm relieved. Okay. You know, they're okay, but a difficult night in the circumstances that they're in right now, I hope that they're okay. was my thought. I hope they have the ability to cope. And they came in the next day and shared that that night before they had learned um, that one of their closest friends had ended their life by suicide and you know I chose this approach I chose these questions and I just said you know what happened and they shared with me what they knew about the situation Um, not surprisingly they shared more details about how they found out and how they felt and their experience of finding out uh, through social media and how painful that was um, and then I followed up with the question what's the hardest part for you and there was a really long silence and then they made eye contact with me and very slowly but steadily said the hardest part for me well would it be awful to say that I'm kind of jealous and in that moment Not only did I have an insight into how they were processing this grief of losing their friend, but it was such a vivid reminder to me of their own struggle and how close they were to that edge of hopelessness themselves. And so, of course, my approach was very different than just 
tell me about your friend tell me about you know it we did a little of that but I also just needed to hold this person really tenderly in the moment with the space in my presence so that they could see that I heard that right I heard that that is the thing at the forefront of your mind and to even validate like no that's not a terrible thing to say if that's true so the the function of those questions is to get people to be able to tell their truth in the moment to recount what has happened in a way that's helpful to them they don't have to give a ton of detail but they can and then to validate wherever they're currently at what is the hardest part for you now that question might be used on several different occasions right maybe what you you asked that the first day and after they get laid off and the answer is different 10 days later but the question still serves that purpose those questions very closely align with this statement this safe listener promise which i would want you to keep in the back of your mind even as you're asking these questions and listening to the answers so i'm going to go ahead and read the statements and again let's remind ourselves being there for people who are grieving is not easy it is emotionally expensive and it takes something out of you okay so these are not flippant statements they're intentional postures to take into these situations so the safe listener statement sounds like this i will listen to understand i will keep what you share private I will not minimize your pain. I will not compare your pain to my own. I will not offer quick solutions. And I will listen again when you want to share more. I think those last three are really important. I will not compare your pain to my own. I will not offer quick solutions. And I will listen again when you want to share more. I'm going to link to these things on the Trauma Healing website. They've got stickers and bookmarks and things that you can stick in different spots in your life so that wherever you're trying to be a better listener, you can you know, see these things and be reminded of them. In general, though, the heart behind this is like, I'm not an expert on grief in general or your grief, right? I have experienced grief because I'm a human. That's, that's the approach we want to take, even as therapists. I don't want to jump right to diagnosing or trying to, the word we use in my family is therapize the situation, but to just be with, being with, bearing witness to someone else's loss is sometimes the greatest gift you can give them. And these commitments are kind of good boundaries for us to keep ourselves within. I know sometimes it can feel like sharing or relating might validate, but most people report that it has the opposite effect when they're grieving. My mom died too. I lost my job too, and look at me, I'm fine. I can totally understand. Speak from experience in a very simplified way. That's so hard. You must be exhausted. Were you exhausted when it happened to you? Okay, tell them, you must be exhausted. Right? Were you confused about where to start with the process of planning a funeral? There are so many details, I'm sure you're overwhelmed. Right? 
when you lost your job, what were you thinking? Okay, reflect that back to them without making it about you. I'm sure you have a lot of questions about the future, but a lot of emotions about the present. That is a way that you relate to folks. So again, trying to avoid making it about you. And the I will listen again. Sometimes the hardest part about grieving is that although people would never admit this outright, there is an expectation that it will only, the intensity will only be so high for so long, right? And then the world moves on. Everyone moves into that restoration-oriented what next and now what kind of thinking. And sometimes you're left standing back in the loss-oriented or you just have a moment or a day where you're pulled back into that. And so we feel like we need to be apologetic about that we're going back over this again in our minds or we're still struggling or... So the last thing we want to do as supporters is give people the message that they're doing it wrong or not fast enough or not slow enough or having any expectation for their process. Because even if they do trust us and share a lot with us, it's not everything. We don't know the entirety of their grief experience. People just need space and time. But they also want you to remember and remind them that it's okay to take the space and time. I'll never forget someone sent me, maybe they just gave it to me. I, now that I'm thinking the story back, I think it was just on my desk one day when I went into work, uh, several weeks after my mom had passed away, probably six weeks, I came to work and found this mug that had an image of a, a hummingbird on it and hummingbirds were my mom's thing and I referenced that um, when I spoke about her at her funeral and this person just quietly found a way to get this mug into my office and on my desk and I came in and just saw it and there just wasn't there wasn't even an explanation needed but it was like they remembered they heard me when I spoke about her and weeks later they were still thinking about her one of the best interactions I had when I was talking to a grief professional once is that they wanted to start from a place of just finding out what my grief experience was. And so they said, you know, one way to get to know you is to get to know your people and the things that you have lost. So can you tell me about some of them? And I was able to talk about my mom and they wanted to know my mom's name and the things about her. Um, was able to talk about um, my first marriage and how difficult that was and the way that that ended and they had really respectful questions about that and even just years later being asked to explain it in my own words again that like what's the hardest part for you years later how are you doing now how are you holding it now it was just a gift to be invited to talk about those things in those ways So again, I want to remind you that one way to support folks is by reaching out as quickly as you can after something happens. I heard what happened. I'm so sorry. But also take a beat. Maybe don't be the one to send the flowers to the funeral, but wait a few weeks and send a card or a thought. Wait a few months. Write down the anniversary somewhere that it will remind you in your phone a year later. Those first anniversaries of things, the first you know, big events that you know you're missing at the job, those first 
transitions with children, those first holidays where things are different in a new place, those are the times when people want to be reminded that you remember that they have lost something and they're in a different phase now. I want to mention uh, two resources for supporting people when they are grieving, things that you can use to support them. One is an organization called Bottle of Tears. It is run by um, a really wonderful woman who's been through a lot herself, and she has chosen to curate um, grief gifts, essentially. And so you can go on her site and order a teardrop-shaped you know, ornament or um, a print with a little glass bottle, and uh, some of it is connected to Christian scripture, and others of it is, is more just... Um, you know, really associated with loss and acknowledging it. And that might sound like a sad thing to send, but um, I, when I have opted to do that, rather than sending flowers or something to a funeral or sending even a card to people who have lost something um, or found themselves at the end of something, I've always gotten the feedback that it makes them feel very seen and validated. And then again, the reminder that the good grief cards are accessible through the Woods Therapy Instagram account. There's a link there in the bio and I will put a link here. This is exactly the heart behind the cards. It's to show up for people and to be safe for people and to validate what they're experiencing, to just name their emotions without trying to change them or rush it or compare it to your own. So um, there are sets of five you can purchase and we're working on making them available individually as well. Um, but I really encourage you to not move away. Don't get squirmy about people's emotions. It's not for you to fix. It's just for you to be with that, that feeling of like, I see you. I know you're hurting. I can't change it, but I'm here with you in it is maybe one of the most powerful things we can do for each other when we're grieving. So again, I, I hope that you are doing well. And if not, I hope you are coping well. And if not yet, I hope that some of these tips will help you to cope well going forward. Take care of yourselves. Although I'm a trained mental health professional, it should be noted that the suggestions and information shared here are general and should not take the place of therapy or psychiatry. I encourage you to connect to local mental health providers to get the support that you need. Of course, you're encouraged to call 988 if you're struggling with suicidal thought or urges. And please go to the emergency room if you're unable to stay safe due to your mental health symptoms.